Take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 2 and Hebrews chapter 1. Last week we talked about shepherds. Shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. I want to speak to you today about majesty in a manger. Majesty in a feed trough. In Luke chapter 2, our passage last week began with verse 8. Now there, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. The angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste. There wasn't anything slow about them. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. Now look with me at Hebrews chapter 1. With this question in mind, what did the shepherds see? What did the shepherds see as they hastily left the field of sheep and went to Bethlehem? What did the shepherds see? Verse 1 of Hebrews 1, God, who at various times, or many portions and various ways, spoke in time past, to the fathers by the prophets. He has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. 
having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they, the angels. What did the shepherds see? When they got to, arrived at Bethlehem, what did they see in that manger? What was their first glimpse of that little baby lying in that little feed trough? They saw... Lord God Himself. They saw majesty in a manger. Luke tells us that the shepherds saw baby Jesus. They saw Him with their eyes. And Hebrews tells us who this baby in the manger was. 150 years ago, William Chatterton Dix penned the words of this classic Christmas song. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems sweet, while shepherds keep their watching. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard. And angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him, Lord, this baby, the Son of Mary. Who did the shepherds see? They saw majesty. Majesty in a manger. This child is that majesty. He is God. He is the Son of God. He is God. But this majesty in a manger is heir of all things. Look with me at verse 2. God has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things. This baby in a manger, this baby, the Son of Mary, which is the Son of God also. He had no human father. He was conceived of by the Holy Spirit. As the Son of Mary, He was heir of very little. That's why throughout Scripture he is called, Is not this the carpenter's son? 
As the Son of God, however, He is heir of all things. Because God owns all things. So all things are His. Psalm 2, verses 6-9, through 9, God says of His Son, Yet I have set my King on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, You are my Son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance." and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Psalm 89, verse 27, the Father says to Jesus, Also I will make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. Firstborn speaks of Christ's legal right as the Son of God. Colossians 1.16 says, For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. When Jesus came to earth, born of a virgin, He willingly emptied Himself of all of His heavenly glory, That moment that He entered our world, He was poor. Poor. And slept in a barn, in a feed trough. The Bible, in fact, goes so far as to say the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head. (laughs) But He's coming back. And when He returns, He is not coming as a baby, but He will be coming as conquering King, King Jesus, the heir of all things. He will truly inherit all things, and we who are believers will join Him. And Romans 8 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together with Him. We are joint heirs with Christ, this majesty in a manger, this baby Jesus, His majesty in a manger, heir of all things. But not only heir of all things, look again at verse 2, He is creator of all things has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds. He is Creator of all things. All of mankind and all that we see in our world, all that we have and all that we have seen, was created by Him. Man was created in the image of God. We bear the image of God. The mark of God is creativity. Because we are made in His image, we are creative in and of ourselves. All of us desire to create. Think of the works of art. Think of children. They 
sit down to color. And the beautiful colors that they put together. Think of the art museums. Think of the exhibits that we are able to see and able to participate in. Think of the great works of literature. Driving around, take note of the architecture. The crucial elements of God, however, that differentiates Him from us is He creates from nothing. Nothing. From nothing, He makes things. From nothing, He spoke and this whirling worlds came into being. The Bible teaches us it was Jesus the Son of God who framed the world. He says, heir of all things, through whom also He made the world. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. John 1, 3. Colossians 1, 1 says again, for by Him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones of dominion, principalities or powers, All things were created through Him and for Him. Usually, when the Bible speaks of the earth, the world, it uses the word cosmos. But here the word is aeons, as in eons or ages. In other words, Jesus not only created the physical realm that we see with our eyes and feel with our hands, but He also created time and space that we cannot see. Energy and matter. God created. Just think about this. This Baby Jesus, this majesty in a manger, this Jesus, this God-man, created even the womb in which He was born, in which He was placed, the placenta, the uterus in which He was born and lived for nine months. He created it. And then He stepped inside it to direct it. Why, he even created the cotton with which the swaddling cloths were made that he was wrapped in. Every aspect of life he created. The tree from whence the manger, the feed trough was made, he created. And the tree that bore him and hung him, suspended between heaven and earth. He made this majesty in a manger is heir of all things. He is also creator of all things. Not only that, he is the brightness of the glory of God. Look at verse 3. He is... He has appointed him heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory. 
the brightness of God's glory. Brightness here comes from the Greek word that means to send forth. It can be translated the radiance of God's glory or the reflection of God's glory. Throughout time and eternity, man has had the glimpses of God's glory. The radiance of God's glory. Moses asked God to see His glory. So God put him in the cleft of the rock and hid, as it were, His face from him and then passed in back of Moses. So all that Moses could see was God's hinder part, the Bible says. God's regal train of glory, we might express it. Moses spent so much time in the presence of God that he had a glow on his face. And as he came down the mountain, and before the people, it frightened them so much, he had to put a veil over his face. The children of Israel saw God's glory in their wilderness wanderings, in the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And when the tabernacle was finished, God's Shekinah glory filled it and there was no one who could look at it. Isaiah said he saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up in the temple. The whole earth, he said, is full of His glory. Throughout the Old Testament, New Testament, there were glimpses of God's glory. Here in the majesty in a manger, we see the glory of God coming down, having come down, born in a stable. John said it best. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Boy, can't we use some of that glory today? He is heir of all things. He is creator of all things. He's the brightness of God's glory. But He doesn't stop there. He goes on and He says, He is the image Of His Father. The image of His Father. We bear a likeness of our family. You can look at pictures long ago and of today. Looking at pictures of our family gathered together of several, (laughs) many years ago. We don't much look like one another. But there are some favoring there. But today, my oldest brother and I look so much alike, people confuse us. They say, aren't you John? I say, no, I'm Don. We, we get confused. We are, we are confused so many times that uh, his wife, my sister-in-law, bought hats. Two hats, black hats. That we wear, one says, I'm John, not Don, and mine says, I'm Don, not John. 
He is the image of His Father. Look at verse 3. Who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. Don't miss this. He is God. Jesus is God. He is the express image of His Father. Meaning He is God. He's the physical manifestation of the eternal Almighty God. The term express image comes from the term used to describe the impression made by a stamp or seal. Important papers were usually stamped by a ring or a seal in biblical days. Jesus. Jesus is the seal of the Father. He's the seal of the Father. When Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior, He's your seal that you belong to the Father. Everything about Jesus reflects the Father. Colossians 1.15 He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Photograph is our word today. Look at the photograph. It helps us identify people. We have now, uh, uh, you've got to have a photo to, to, uh, to vote. We have to have a photo on your driver's license. Photo is the reflection of who you are. Jesus then actually is the perfect picture of God. Here, Jesus Christ the Son reflects the glory of God. He shows us exactly what God is like. Jesus, in fact, said it best. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Have you seen Jesus? (laughs) Have you seen Jesus? He is majesty. In a manger, heir of all things, creator of all things, the brightness of God's glory, the image of the Father. He is also the upholder of all things. Look again at verse 3. Who being the brightness of His glory, the express image of His person, and upholding all things. Upholding all things by the word of Of his power. Upholder of all things. This verse tells us that Jesus Christ is continuously. On a continual basis. It isn't haphazard. It isn't partially. It isn't part time. Jesus Christ is full time upholding all things. Some of you might remember this. I don't know if any of you younger folks will, but you remember the picture of Atlas? Wasn't it Atlas who was holding the globe over him? Well, Jesus is the upholder of all things. Better than Atlas. His power, by the word of His power. This means He is sustaining all of creation. Not only has He created everything and will inherit everything, His right 
now. He is right now. Right this moment, as we sit here, as we worship Him, as our high, as we hear this message from God's Word, God, through Jesus, Jesus is upholding all things. And He's holding all things together. Colossians 1.17 He is before all things. In Him all things consist meaning He holds together all things. Paul told the Greek skeptics in Athens, in Him we live and move and have our being. Friends, without Jesus holding all things, without Him holding up all things, everything falls apart. When the natural order is disrupted, disaster happens. We saw that if you've heard the news. We've seen that just recently. Tornadoes in Tennessee. Earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, hurricanes. The natural order is disrupted. People die. Things are destroyed. If the law of gravity went haywire, all of us would be hurled into space. In fact, John MacArthur writes... Consider what instant destruction would happen if the earth's rotation slowed down for just a little. The sun has a surface temperature of 12,000 degrees Fahrenheit. If it were any closer to us, we would burn up. If it were any further from us, we would freeze. Our globe is tilted at the exact angle of 23 degrees, which provides us with four specific seasons. If it were not so tilted, the vapors of the ocean would move north and south and develop into monstrous monstrous continents of ice. If the moon didn't retain its exact distance from the earth, the ocean would inundate the land completely twice a day. If the ocean floors were merely a few feet deeper than they are, the carbon dioxide and oxygen balance of the earth's atmosphere would be completely upset. And no animal or plant life could exist. How does the universe stay in that kind of delicate balance? How? Jesus Christ, this majesty in a manger, upholds all things and is constantly monitoring all movements and inner workings. Jesus Christ is the preeminent power that maintains it all. He is heir of all things. He is creator of all things. He's the brightness of God's glory. He is the exact image of Photograph of God, the upholder of all things. Oh, but that's not all. The best is yet to come. Look at verse 3, the latter part. He is the purger of our sins, the upholder of all things by the word of His power. And when He had by Himself purged our sins, this good news, great joy, is that Jesus Christ has purged our sins. Woo! 
I'm sinless in the eyes of Jesus because I'm covered with His blood, forgiven, purged of my sin. Does that mean I'm perfect? No. Does it mean I don't sin? No. (laughs) But it means Jesus has purged me. Majesty in a manger. All of us are sinners. And because of our sin, we deserve physical death, spiritual death, and eternal separation and alienation from God. The Old Testament pictures the purging of sin by the high priest as he continuously made offerings of sacrifices for the sins of the people every day. (laughs) But the New Testament pictures the purging of our sins By one person, by one person, by one sacrifice, one sacrifice, the once for all sacrifice of this majesty in a manger, Jesus Christ, the God-man, born in a stable, the perfect and only sacrifice for our sins. Revelation 13, 8 says, The Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ was not a sacrifice, friends. Jesus Christ was the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, the only sacrifice that was needed to satisfy the wrath of Almighty God. 1 Peter 1.18 Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Hebrews 9.26 says, But now, once at the end of the ages, He has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself, by Himself, no one else, and no one else could do it. Jesus Christ, this majesty in a manger, purged our sins by Himself. Oh. Man, if that's not enough, what more? we need. (laughs) But look at the latter part of verse 3. Because he is the completer of our salvation. When he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down. He sat down. After he purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This majesty in a manger. After he completed everything, after he was heir of all things, creator of all things, the brightness of God's glory, the perfect express image of God the Father, the upholder of all things, the purger of our sins, the completer of our salvation, sat down. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty. On high. The right hand always in the Bible symbolizes power. It symbolizes power. In the Old Testament, there were no seats in the temple. There were no seats for the, for the priest to sat down. The priest never sat down. The, the sacrifices that he had to make and that he had to do were so 
uh, continual. They were continually sacrificing. But when Jesus Christ, this majesty in a manger, made an end to the work, the Bible says He sat down. When He made His sacrifice, when He purged our sin as the completer of our salvation, He sat down. Because He was finished. He was finished. In fact, Jesus said while He was hanging on the cross, It is finished. All that I left heaven to do has been completed. It is finished. The Bible says Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and me. So many people today work so hard for salvation. But they can never achieve it. They can never gain it by works or good deeds. They can never buy it. Jesus has already done the work. Jesus has already completed it. Jesus offers salvation freely to those who will trust Him and those who will follow Him. It's a free gift. The wages of sin is death. But the gift, the gift of God, the best Christmas gift that can be received and given this year has already been given 2,000 years ago. The majesty in a manger was that free gift. Free. Jesus offers freely to those who will trust Him. Okay. So what did the shepherds see when they went to the stable in Bethlehem? (laughs) What did the shepherds see? Oh, they saw majesty in a manger. They saw the air of all things. They saw the creator of all things. They saw the brightness of God's glory. They saw the express, the perfect image of the Father. They saw the upholder of all things, the purger of our sins, and the completer of our salvation. Louis Palau gives a good illustration of a family that was celebrating a newborn, their firstborn. And they were having folks over in celebration of him. And as people arrived in the wintertime, they, they took their coats off and, and the family took them and laid them on the bed. Everybody brought their coats in and they put them on the bed. Finally, it came time for them to introduce the little one to the world. They were so proud. But they couldn't find the baby. They looked all over the house. They looked everywhere, upstairs, downstairs, in the basement. They looked and searched everywhere to find him. Finally, finally, 
They looked underneath the coats on the bed and they found the object of their celebration. Of all the accoutrements of your celebration this year, of all that you will be doing and all that you will be going through and all that you will be celebrating, will you be able to find the true purpose and reason for this Christmas celebration? Or will it all be lost beneath the piles of tradition and the cultural observances of the season? What will you have seen? What will this Christmas have meant and mean to you going forth into 2024? What will you see this Christmas? Pray with me. Lord God, this majesty in a manger makes us rejoice because the good news of great joy to all people is that this majesty in a manger came to be our gift for salvation. Lord God, in all that we experience in this Christmas season, please, please, please do not let us overlook, forget, or place too much importance on the gifts except for the gift that came in that stable in the majesty in the manger. Oh God, thank you Thank you for that wonderful gift that is ours today because of Jesus Christ. Help us to celebrate that. Help us to rejoice in that. But help us to remember Him. He is the reason for this whole season. 
Lord, for those here that may not know you in a personal relationship with you, I pray, God, that today will be the day they turn to you, call out to you for forgiveness of their sins and receive you as Lord and Savior of their lives. And Lord, for the believer here, may we rejoice with joy unspeakable and praise you throughout this season. And Lord God, may the word go forth and may we share it with our world. In Jesus' name, amen.